Greetings, friends, and welcome to Trajectory Podcast. Hey, I'm glad to be with you guys today. Last week, we took a break from our normal parable podcast and talked about the sinful woman who anointed Jesus' feet. This week, we're back to the grind with a parable that was specifically uh, crafted for a choice audience, but has a lesson for all of us. First, though, is our moment of positivity. I want to talk about heroes today. Um, I have encouraged my students to pick godly heroes to try and emulate. Some of my personal heroes are Corey Ten Boom, Amy Carmichael, and Brother Andrew, the Bible smuggler. These people live the kinds of lives I want to live. There's a danger, though, with heroes. No matter how well they do, how hard they work, or how amazing they are, if we focus too much on them, we can mistake their portrayals of Jesus with Jesus himself. At the end of the day, my heroes are are still people, fallen, sinful, needing God's help people. Today I'm reminded of the ultimate hero, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the individual whose personality when it permeates a person's existence, makes them worth honoring. I'm going to say that one more time. Jesus is the individual whose personality, when it permeates a person's existence, makes them worth honoring. So when we honor a mere man or or a mere woman who is a great Christian, we're really honoring the personality of Jesus, which has slowly grown in their lives over time. It's still just Jesus, Jesus only, and Jesus always. And that's our moment of positivity. Okay, now for our passage. Today we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 21, verses 33 through 45. Jesus has been uh, relaying many parables, so he starts uh, this passage just kind of with that understanding. Matthew chapter 21, verses 33 through 45 is what it says. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied. And he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read the scriptures? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew he was talking about them. All right, Jesus tells a parable about a landowner who plants a vineyard. 
So this guy grows grapes, all right, and, and he does all the things that a good grape grower should do. He builds a fence so critters can't get in there and tear stuff up. He makes a wine press so people can harvest the grapes and take it straight over to get the juice out. And uh, he even builds a watchtower. Uh, it's a place for people to sit and watch out for potential marauding bands of robbers who might steal the grapes. The landowner invests into the success of his vineyard. He laid a perfect foundation, and then he bestows his perfect vineyard on some renters with the idea that after harvest, they'll give him a percentage of the profits. The renters uh, have really a, a very easy job. All the groundwork is done. All they have to do is basically maintenance. Apparently, the vineyard does really well. And when the time comes, the landowner uh, sends people to collect, and rightfully so, uh, what he's due. Well, the renters don't think he's due that, or maybe they're just thieves. Anyways, they uh, beat up those messengers, and uh, the landowner keeps sending people to collect rent, and they continue getting beaten up or humiliated, or in some cases, even killed. In a last-ditch effort, the landowner sends his son to collect the rent. The renters see this as their opportunity to really take ownership of the vineyard, to steal it. So they kill the son. The scripture goes on to say that this parable was aimed at the Pharisees and uh, basically the religious leaders of that time, and in, in a broader way, um, the Jews and all of Israel. Uh, this is kind of the meaning of the parable. So Jesus, like I said, talking about religious leaders, and the nation of Israel, God rescued Israel out of slavery to Egypt and created out of them a mighty nation. He gave them good rules and riches and prosperity, and, and God did all the groundwork. I mean, just read the first several chapters of the Bible, and, and you'll see all the things God did, including destroying before the Israelites mighty armies that were way too strong for them. All God wanted was a return of his righteousness. All he wanted was for his people to love him and follow his ways. And God sent prophets and teachers to correct them and help them along the way. But the people of Israel were very stubborn. And more often than not, these prophets were seriously mistreated. Hundreds, if not thousands, of the prophets that were sent to Israel were either beaten or killed. The prophet Jeremiah is just one example of this. He was literally thrown into a deep, muddy pit and starved for a while because of his message from God. So finally, God sends Jesus to preach to the people of God the message of repentance and salvation. And, of course, we know what happened to him. They killed him on a cross by the conniving schemes of the priests and the Pharisees. Jesus says in the passage that because the prophets and teachers of righteousness— and Jesus himself were so consistently rejected by the Israelites, especially the religious leaders, that God would take away the kingdom of God from them and give it to a people producing its fruits. Basically, this was pointing to the fact that, uh, that being God's kid was going to become accessible for the whole world, including you and me, and not just the Jews. In fact, the Jews seem to be very stubborn to receiving the gospel. Meanwhile, the whole world is just filled with believers. Okay, so that's basically what it means. Uh, now the question is, <laughs> what do we do about it? Well, the first thing we should do is realize that if you are a child of God, you have been given access to God's proverbial vineyard. 
So the Jews did a really bad job at taking care of God's vineyard. And, and now we, you and I, get a crack at it. And I'm not sure that we're really doing that much better. Remember that the rent God wants is a return of righteousness and love for him. God doesn't want a pile of grapes. He wants your hearts. This podcast and Sunday church and youth group is a reminder, just like the old prophets, that God wants something from us. The other day, I went to a graduation party for my good buddy, Logan. Logan has a pet fish named My Homie, or Mahomie. It's sort of like a mixture of uh, like My Homie and Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> it's Kansas people. Anyways, I went to watch the fish for a while, and, and you know what? That fish didn't move a muscle. It just sat there existing as a fish. It was so still, I thought it might be dead. Like, honestly, I believe a majority of American Christians are sort of the same way. We just sit there existing as Christians. And I wonder what the angels think. You know, Gabriel's like, hey, Michael, do you think he's dead? And Michael's like... I think he's just maybe no i think he's just sleeping maybe maybe he's no i don't know we might not be violent to god's servants but we're not producing the fruits that god wants and speaking of violence the scripture says that friendship with the world is enmity or fighting against god so so yeah you you might never throw a rock at a preacher but if your heart embraces the values of the world you might as well have. This week, be better than the bad tenants. Give God what he wants. You might ask, <laughs> what does God want? Hey, great question. I believe we should start every single day with that question. And of course, I could spend hours talking about what God wants, but instead, I'm just going to point us to two key verses, one from the Old Testament and one from the New. Micah chapter 6, verse 8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8 says, Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes I get to work, like my job work, and I know I should be busy being a productive person, but I'm not exactly sure what needs to be done. This happens because I suck at planning. Fortunately for Christians, this is never a problem. God gives us a list of things to work on. Hey, if you want to tend God's vineyard well, after you have faith in Jesus and trust him for salvation, add to that virtue, which is moral excellence. And, and, then, and then add to that knowledge. Know about your faith. Know about the God you serve. And then work on self-control, bringing those impulses under God's control, and then work on steadfastness or endurance, sticking it out through the tough stuff, and then and then work on godliness, being like the Savior, and then 
work on loving your Christian brother or sister, and then work on loving them some more as you love God more. And after you've perfected all those, take a break. You're good to go, which is a joke because you and I will never master those. But hopefully we'll have several decades to work on it. Hey, that's all for me today. Thanks for checking in to another episode of Trajectory Podcast. Until next time, may God richly bless you.